The HIV epidemic is not over. HIV is still here. The face of HIV is so diverse. The biggest thing to reduce HIV stigma is just to talk about it. Testing and PrEP and HIV treatment and how effective it is today. Undetectable equals untransmittable. Whether you're positive or negative, there's not a wrong door. Whether it's testing or whether it's treatment, do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about HIV testing, treatment, and prevention at doitforyoumc.org. Jazzcast Pros. We look at June 19, 1865, when he uh, arrived in, in Galveston, Texas, and he announced that, that they were now free, the Civil War had ended, and so that moment, that June 19, 1865, is what we call Juneteenth. And so today I want to talk a little bit about the Juneteenth celebration in Buffalo, and also talk about how do we, we're all still processing what happened on May 14th, you know, the presence of what happened on will, will be with all of us as we as we gather in that park. And so today, our, my guest is no stranger to our community, Brother Raz Jomo. But today we're going to talk a little bit about his role as a leader in the Juneteenth movement and have him share his reflections on what's going on this year with Juneteenth and, and where we are as a people here in Buffalo. New York in the year 2022. <laughs> we have to get our white brothers and sisters to recognize and understand that our liberation does not pose a threat to their existence, right? But it's kind of interesting that as we are talking about celebrating Juneteenth as a holiday, you have another set of demonic spirits that are actually still fighting the Civil War. They got a Confederate flag and they're raiding the Capitol. So I think that we shouldn't examine Juneteenth in a peaceable, one-dimensional way. I think that we have to look at the historical and the cultural connections then, now, and what are we aiming for the future, which is why we use Sankofa a lot, which means go back, fetch, and return. Talking about our history. We got to go back in our history, find out what happened in order for us to move forward. We got to know where we are now. That is why there are so many laws being passed right now to try to control what is taught in education and history. And if we're not careful, people in Buffalo, listen to me. If we're not careful and these people get a chance to pass the laws they want, we won't be able to talk about what happened in May 14th in school because it'll be contrary to what traditional American history is. So this is what I'm saying, how dangerous this is right now. Very dangerous. And if you don't put it into context, they'll make you feel ashamed to say what happened to your ancestors. Welcome to Igniting Hope Radio, where we realize the differences between equity and equality. Here at the Buffalo Center for Health Equity, quite frankly, we don't want equality. We want equity. The only way to change hearts and minds is through emotional engagement, to get people behind it, and continuously support the concept with facts. This is our aim and our mission weekly as you join Pastor George on Igniting Hope Radio. Greetings, this is uh, Pastor George Nicholas, Chair of the Buffalo Center for Health Equity, and you are tuned in to Igniting Hope Podcast. This is a podcast that comes out of the work that we've been doing with the African American Health Equity Task Force, the Buffalo Center for Health Equity, and working on eliminating race-based health disparities. We don't believe that the fact that you're African American living in the city of Buffalo 
should be a determining factor or for your health outcomes. And we know that the data shows that people living in certain communities are at higher risk for chronic diseases, heart disease, cancer, diabetes, asthma. And it's all because of the social determinants of health, your lived conditions. And one of the things that drives the social determinants of health is racism. Structural, historical, institutional, anti-Black racism, which has been part of the American story from its inception. And so what happens is when institutional and structural anti-Blackness racism is not addressed, it just grows and it, and it gets passed from, from generation to generation. And one of the sad things that we see here, even, you know, birth outcomes that, you know, African-American women in our communities are having much worse birth outcomes than white women who don't live in our community. And even black women with education and access to resources are still having struggles with uh, maternal health and birth outcomes. And that's our system. That's, that's what systemic racism does. And one of the, 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 the genesis of this kind of systemic racism in, in the American Republic was the institution of, of enslavement, right? Starting in, in 1519 and around that time, enslavement of, of African people brought to South and Central America. And then, you know, moving into 1619 into North America. And from that period, just the enslavement of African people has created just this, this, this constant cycle of, of pain for our people. Now, one of the areas in which we like to talk about as a maybe as a, a part of, of, of celebration in our story is the Civil War, which was fought about maintaining and not only maintaining, but, but spreading the institution of, of enslavement of African people throughout the Republic. But the North was victorious, and we look at June 19th, 1865, uh, a time when um, the Union General Gordon Granger, when he uh, arrived in, in Galveston, Texas, and he announced that and informed the, at that time people that were enslaved that they were now free, the Civil War had ended, and so that moment, that June 19th, 1865, is a time where many people in our community celebrate what we call Juneteenth. And so today I want to talk a little bit about the Juneteenth celebration in Buffalo, its, its significance, its history, and also talk about how do we, we're all still processing what happened on, on May 14th, and how does that, you know, in this moment of celebration of Juneteenth, we're able to gather again back in the park. But then also this, this I won't say it's a cloud, but just this, this something that's in the atmosphere that, you know, the presence of what happened on will, will be with all of us as we, as we gather in that park. And so today, our, my guest is no stranger to our community, Brother Raz Jomo, who wears a number of hats in the community, a great union leader, working with the Carpenters Union and really working inside that system to try to create opportunities for our people, uh, host of Access Africa and the uh, wonderful radio 
broadcast on, on WUFO that he hosts. That's that's listened to all around the world. There's you know it's it's an international broadcast. But today we're going to talk a little bit about his role as a leader in the Juneteenth movement and have him share his reflections on what's going on this year with Juneteenth and and where we are as a people here in Buffalo, New York in the year 2022. <laughs> so, brother brother Jomo, uh, good day to you and. Just wanted to just kind of just share a little bit about you know the significance of, of of Juneteenth and why it's important for us as African people living in America to to remember that moment and what's the I shouldn't say proper but what's the kind of the the most meaningful way for us to remember Juneteenth you know I, I kind of I have mixed feelings about it being a national holiday on Monday, because, you know, we saw what happened when they did the King, right? You have MLK mattress sales and stuff like that. So, so you know, let's let's kind of keep ourselves focused. So good day, Shoma, and kind of share with us a little bit. Good day. Thank you for, for having me. Well, there are different levels, and I think it's just like walking into like a sea or ocean. The more you step in, the deeper it gets. And sometimes the deeper it gets, you start to uncover and feel more things that were there all along, but you just never saw. All right. So I came into Juneteenth as a child. I used to watch it. I used to go to uh, the park, walk past, listen to the music, just feel like, wow, everybody's just out here. I got a little older. I was into music and actually happened to be in one of the marching bands, maybe 10, 11, 12 years old. Began to get a little older, got into different music, different drums, began to play more cultural things. Then I was asked to help on committees. Then I was brought on the board. Now I'm the vice president. I've also had a chance to learn other things in life. And basically, this is this is how I would like to summarize it right now. Even bigger than Buffalo, even bigger than America. I think that black people all over the world need to know, one, the history of black people in your immediate city, state, country. Two, I think you need to know the history of black people in other city, states, and countries. And three, I think you need to know the commonalities between how all of us got where we are, no matter what country we're in. And I think that those are some of the things that some of our, our deeper thinkers were hitting at all throughout the last few hundred years all around the world. But many of us just could not see that vision. Everybody loved Dr. King now because we had a chance to hear, read, think, and actually listen to pretty much his prophecies. Everybody loved Marcus Garvey now because you see that um, you know, we still are not self-determined, so we still only rely on one grocery store in a neighborhood. If someone else don't give it to us, what, I guess we don't eat, huh? So we're violating the principles of our prophets, just like in the Bible. Like, some of our behaviors haven't changed. Like, anyway, we celebrate Juneteenth. That's fine we where you're going. We just, we, just we just chat. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's all related. It's all related. No, but that's it's so not... important because it's all connected, right? Our, oh, yeah. our thinking, oh, yeah. our spirituality, <laughs> our behavior, you know, our lack of understanding of our of our history and our own identity as as African people living in America, it's all connected, right? And so, you know, it's important for people to see this 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 thing, like you know, recognizing when you're in that park on Saturday and Sunday. That in that sea of of just beautiful black people, right? That there is a connection, a divine connection that's present, and we got to learn how to tap into that, 
Yeah, how to get it ignited, you know, that hope, that spirit. The story in America is like one of the, the final chapters. The American 400 years, almost like some biblical prophecy. You could do the preaching. I'll just kind of relate the history. Uh, this is like some Abraham-like type prophecy. You know, for 400 years, you're going to be strangers in a strange land, and there are people going to afflict you, and you shall serve them with rigor, and they shall oppress you always until that time is up. Well, America is the place that we are, and it's like the, you know, like the Netflix. Everybody in the world is watching it. But the same thing happened in Cuba, Haiti, Puerto Rico, Trinidad, Tobago, Central America, South America, different parts of Europe and Africa, uh, even though they're still on the continent, they've been colonized. So I would like to say that I think that we need to have a B.C. reference um, before captivity for those of us in the Americas, uh, before colonialism for those who are in Africa, uh, before the Berlin Conference, where Europeans took it upon themselves to try to exercise that. Uh, racial hierarchy and just um, go into people's houses and decide what they want to take and who's going to be the ruler in someone's house without asking the people of the house. That behavior is not good either. But that's not the point in my discussion. What I was trying to communicate is that in the Caribbean and in places that were controlled by Britain, and we live in a place that's close to, uh, 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 we're close to Toronto, where they have one of the largest celebrations of multi-British people, people under British colonialism being free. That's what Caravan is. They're celebrating their, their emancipations. Well, you have the same emancipation because you was colonized by the same people not doing good things. Yeah, right, I'll just leave it that way. So the same thing that we celebrate as Juneteenth, that's what many Caribbean people call Emancipation Day. All right. Emancipation from what? So the Juneteenth Day that is now a holiday, a federal holiday fully observed this year, it's actually the 12th holiday in United States history. You know, kind of 12 represents the seal or the end. But it's kind of interesting that as we are talking about celebrating Juneteenth as a holiday, you have another set of demonic spirits that are actually still fighting the Civil War. They got a Confederate flag and they're raiding the Capitol. So I think that we shouldn't examine Juneteenth in a peaceable, one-dimensional way. I think that we have to look at the historical and the cultural connections then, now, and what are we aiming for the future, which is why we use Sankofa a lot, which means go back, fetch, and return, talking about our history. We got to go back in our history, find out what happened and in order for us to move forward. We got to know where we are now. So do we have health disparities because black people have health disparities or do we have health disparities that are chronic and generational because our conditions and our habits and our training or miseducation of the Negro, which is the book, yeah, is yeah, the same. Yeah. And, and so we have to get our white brothers and sisters to recognize and understand that our liberation does not pose a threat to their existence. Now, it poses a threat to their domination, right? Which, you know, they have, that's something they have to wrestle with, with, you know, their own need to always be in charge, right? You know, right. what's interesting, you know, the, the, the young man who, 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 you know, did the dastardly deed on May 14th, recently, you know, was apologizing to his parents, but was very clear that what he was doing, he was purposeful. And he said that he was protecting the white race, right? Now that doesn't come really out of a mind of an 18 year old, right? That comes from, no, no. from being indoctrinated Right, right, with the thought. And that's one of the struggles that even with our own people, it even proclaiming our own Juneteenth, our own liberation, our own sense of our own blackness, that we still hesitate with 
the expressions of our authentic selves be an offense to white people. And we have to recognize that in order for us to truly be free, we have to be free to express ourselves as God has designed us, right? So it's just like when you're on these Zoom calls and when you're in a waiting room and if you're on a radio, Black people have to be allowed to take themselves off mute in order for the world right. to move forward. We cannot move forward and talk about peace and love if other people are prescribing what the rules are and we never get a chance to speak for ourselves. So one of the main things that have to happen is that we have to control our own narrative. Even if other people yes. believe what they want, we have to be in charge of our own narrative. And that really is not contradictory to how the creator created us in the image of God. So if we, that is really one of the higher levels that Dr. King was talking on that slips over many people, but even having the audacity to think that why other people are calling us bad names and treating us worse than farm animals, that we could also say that we are children of God. And to say that and try to create that dichotomy in the air, he was probably like 30 uh, hours worth of credit in education above what most people who were listening were picking up. His conversation was way deeper than the, um, the ignorant people around him trying to judge him. He was talking about black people have to see themselves as children of God and other people, if they think they know God, have to see us the same way. And the contrapositive of that is that they can't see us in the image of God, then maybe something might be wrong with so, them. So, That's why he always talked about his sick right, white right, brothers. Right, right. And, and what, what I struggle with is we as black folks spend so much time in church, and yet so many of us still struggle with recognizing that we are created in the image of God. And even in our practice, sometimes of our own spirituality, we emulate the practice of our oppressor and even try to diminish right, our own authentic expressions, whatever they may be. Because when I think about Black folks, I always think about jazz, right? And one of the great contributions that our people have given to the world, we've given so many, right? But jazz is such a metaphor for our existence, right? That ability to adapt, adopt, to improv, right? To go, you know, great, if you see great jazz musicians, they'll go so far over somewhere, right? Especially Coltrane. Right. It, it can't, it yeah, can't make yeah. logical sense. It can't but make logical sense. But when you keep listening, sense. he'll bring you back. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're like, man, where's the, yeah, you yeah. And, and, and so, and we're designed that way and we should just embrace that and begin to to reject all these colonial labels, even when we start talking about, one of the things I hate now is, is sometimes even amongst our own people, we talk about, well, you know, you got to act professional. And I said, oh, okay, that help me understand what that means. And to a lot of people, acting professional is really mimicking the behavior that we see of, of white folks. But then they don't really know because, you know, God has blessed me to be in a lot of spaces where I've been in rooms where important rooms, I guess, where I've seen white folks just act completely a fool in boardrooms and all this other. And they have more power than the people trying to act like what they think white people should act like. But we think that, you know, they're always just, you know what I mean? And so, so we have to stop trying to be something and somebody that we're not. And I think that's one of the values that Juneteenth of this whole moment can help us to kind of fall in love with ourselves. Of course. 
And I think that that is one of the whole aspects as we are on this continued experiment of being more free. Juneteenth is not a finality point. It's a marker point. That's what I would say, especially because I realized when I really read it and I really read it. And after 10, 15, 20 years of being in it, I realized that the Emancipation Proclamation only freed people who were part of the Confederate rebelling states. It didn't even free everybody. That's why a little bit later in history in that same year, 1865, it is two and a half years after the Emancipation Proclamation and then going all the way again until December. That is why they had to create the 13th Amendment, which was done by December. And then there are still some some states who tried to skirt around the law, New Jersey being one that didn't really want to officially recognize it. So the deeper we get into history, which is also uh, in this land, the majority of the public systems and institutions and everything. Sorry, no offense from church, education, even nutrition. All of those things, you have to go inside of it and root out this whole thing of white dominance. Anywhere that you are, you better find out if it's any white dominance trying to trick you. It's like some little secret spell going on everywhere. It's in your food. It's in your accessibility to education. It's in your accessibility to God. They're always trying to be the mediator. And Christ said we don't need no more mediators. So somebody's lying. Somebody's lying. And I think that we, once we really begin to sit and think with our own minds, we're going to start challenging things because there are some people, I know the history, there are some people who went to church and then burnt black people and called it a picnic. And then they had the audacity to take pictures next to dead, burning bodies with their children and women. That That's not good. No. And not that good. kind of a spirit goes from generation and from generation. You, it does That spirit doesn't just die in that picture, right? <laughs> so the question is, black or white, why don't we know this history? Well, I mean, we, 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 some of us do know it, right? And, and so it's those of us who know it's our responsibility to teach and recognizing that Juneteenth is now a federal holiday, a national holiday, but we should not, we should not depend on the federal government to teach us about Juneteenth because, right, because once they make it a federal holiday is like they did with King, right? King, you know, has been so sanitized. I mean, this man was an absolutely radically thinking, progressive thinking, nationalistic in a lot of those ways, right? International, black right? And so, well. but we've reduced him to just the speeches that that we, when I say we, the country feels most comfortable with. And that is why, yeah. And that is why I keep reiterating, and it's going to get a little more radical as people find out we're talking controlling the narrative because many people have set up a narrative where King is stuck in a dream and what he is communicating and where do we go from here? What he is communicating in the last few years, it makes the things that we thought about Malcolm X seem harmless because his words are very poignant. They're very clear and they are very damaging to the white structural paradigm that we all live in. So as long as they can hold back King into the dream and control it. So what I was saying politically is, that is why there are so many laws being passed right now to try to control what is taught in education and history. And if we're not careful, people in Buffalo, listen to me. If we're not careful and these people get a chance to pass the laws they want, we won't be able to talk about what happened in May 14th in school because it'll be contrary to what traditional American history is. So this is what I'm saying, how dangerous this is right now. 
very dangerous. And if you don't put it into context, they'll make you feel ashamed to say what happened to your ancestors. It'll make you feel ashamed to what talks about the condition of you and your family. And it might make you ashamed to raise your children to be in the image of and, God. And, and even with the May 14th story, right? That narrative is shifting, right? The narrative, you know, became about mental health. It became about access to guns, which are two very, very important factors, right? But the driving factor of that man's behavior was anti-Blackness. That was the motivation. But it's interesting how we've shifted away from that. And now the story is all about, you know, all these good folks coming down there bringing food and the Buffalo Bills bringing food and and, and Joe Biden, President Biden and, and Vice President Harris coming into the into the community. That whole, you know, has kind of drowned out the fact that this was a planned terrorist attack, anti-black. It wasn't ran- it wasn't random Buffalo. It's not it's not Buffalo strong. Buffalo can be strong. Yes. This is a black Buffalo event. That black Buffalo has to stay at the priority of this conversation. And that's sitting with so many people. People have no idea how on guard we are now. And that tension, and none of I should say none of us, many of us don't believe that. Somebody else is not coming too. And so carrying that, and that's a heavy weight, Jomo, that you have to carry with you. And, and just a hashtag doesn't change that. No. And, and that's also, you know, members from your church are the ones who are responsible for, for creating the Ma'afa commemoration uh, here in the city of Buffalo, where a couple of days after Juneteenth, on June 21st, we are talking about not just what happened in enslavement, not just what happened being captured, stolen, uh, kidnapped, forcibly brought to America and all the other abuses from Jim Crow to sharecropping to, you know, the civil rights violations, human rights violations up until May 14th. It's called the Ma'afa, the continued tragedy. That is where we have to realize and, and get a little deeper. As I said, we walk into this, we begin to get a little bit deeper into what is really going on. And it's a continued sustained set of traumatic events that are that are going on generationally, even though we've accepted some of them, it has become something that's not right to accept, just like bad health, just like poor access to quality food, water, and housing. The things that we have come to accept in our communities uh, is, is not good, and it does not make us well. So when we you're at be. war, one of the things you do in war is you cut off supply to food. You see how like Putin's out there in the Ukraine <laughs> yeah. trying to, to starve the people out, right? And so it, it's interesting when you look at the dynamic of of what happened at, at that tops and the impact that it's had on people who were nowhere near that tops that day. Right. And, right. and even to the extent where it created an access to food, which is a basic need, right? You here we are in 2022, right? And and we're having conversations about black people, black Americans citizens of Buffalo, citizens of Erie County, citizens of New York State, right? Who we have to literally give food. Yes. In the 21st century in the United States of America, one of the richest so-called countries in the world with a surplus of many giving billions of dollars to other countries to fight war. That is where we are. That is where we are. And shuttering one venue that was servicing much larger you know, sphere of people than their other 
stores which serve, you know, in, in a community. And so shuttering that one venue created an absolute crisis. Which shows the fragility of what we have been in all of this time and really don't realize how precarious of a valley we're walking through. Right. Right. And so now moving forward, we have to make sure that all this conversation, and again, it's, it's tied back to Juneteenth. It's tied back to health equity and health disparities because remember when we start talking about these these poor health outcomes, these high rates of diabetes, high rates of hypertension, high rates of heart disease, high rates of mental health issues, low rates of birth outcomes, all these things that we see and they're documented. There's not, I'm not making this stuff up. Go on to our website, buffalohealthequity.org. You can see it all there and, and the data's there. These don't happen because of divine activity. These are happening because of human activity. And if they are human activities, then they can be they can be shifted. They can be changed. However, if we allow for the same system that created the problem to try to solve the problem, we'll still be locked into this secondary position. And, we'll be, that. and we'll be maintaining the systems uh, that enshackle us, which goes back to why we talk about Sankofa. After we study the history, we should be trying to soberly find out where are we going to go from here based upon what has happened to us from our own perspective? That is that is my um, main idea in trying to participate and trying to bring so many things in Juneteenth. And also taking time to recharge our minds, our energy, and our spirits. Because if your spirit and your hope is not ignited, you won't be able to fight um, the mission or you won't be willing to do the work. The work is not these 30-minute uh, calls that you and I have and, you know, the sermon in the church. The work is what takes place the other six days and 23 hours. <laughs> right, right, And many, right, right. People, many people don't have their culture, their spirituality, and their daily life connected. And that's another trick that the European-based um, systems have done. It has removed us from the responsibility of doing divine things in flesh continually, relieving the poor. You know, um, looking out for widows, looking out for the fatherless and, and the motherless. Those are responsibility things I think that we are practicing to perfect. And without putting black face or black and brown bodies on our prayers and our mission, it seems like we pray and we pray and we think about doing things for others and we don't think about loving and mastering um, how to build better relationships with our brothers and our sisters. It's like under, under our form of religion, we have mastered loving an enemy and we hate ourselves. Yes, 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 yes. And, you know, knowing, too, that when you hate yourself, you really say that you hate God. But that's uh, right. Going right. Oh, no, no. Yeah, because <laughs> we you, we you don't have that. time. We run out of time. But we'll, okay, we'll, we'll come back. Reel me, Real me in like a yeah, you know, No, no, no. <laughs> so 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 we just want to encourage people to uh, get a little deeper. Just go as deep as you are. Wherever you are, just go a little deeper. Wherever you are, wherever you are. And let your conscience, let your, your spirit, your conscious man or woman, let it drive for a little while. Yes. Don't only react to information that is being fed to you. Right. Because most of the information that we get fed to us through the internet and through television and all this other stuff, it's mostly lies, right? Right. But allow for yourself to, and, and it's in you, it's in you to kind of see. And then, and so, and then when you come to the park this weekend for, for Juneteenth, just let people love on you and and then and you just love on them. That is traditionally what Juneteenth in the city of Buffalo is, which is 
different than many places. People from all over America and now the world, as you know, come to the city of Buffalo to find out what we're doing. And once they get a little bit of it, they can go to any city they want and say, wow, there's no place that's doing Juneteenth like Buffalo. Even people from Texas. I'm driving. I, I see what's happening in the community. Red, black, and green flags all up and down Fillmore. Red, black, and green flags in front of City Hall. All of those things represent a striving towards getting back to a more cultured, a more black-centered state of mind, more towards our own reference point. And I think that that is what's happening as we're getting deeper and deeper. We're starting to think for ourselves. Mm. Well, Raj Jomo, I appreciate you spending some time with us today on our Igniting Hope uh, podcast. Uh, we're going to have you back on, to, you know, um, to talk about a lot of different things. One of the things I want to really talk to you about our next time we get together is the power of music, sound, vibration, and why we have to mentor and cultivate the next generation of musicians and artists. And there are a lot of artists that are uplifting and stuff like that. But, you know, we need to, we need more brothers and sisters using their artistic gift to celebrate the beauty of our people and speak messages of hope. And that is very important for the generations coming up to find their place in the rebuilding and healing of our people because the musicians help usher that in. Yes, yes. So this has been a, a real special edition of our, our podcast, Igniting Hope. We're, we're coming up to, I want you to mark on your calendars, August 13th, August 13th. That's when we will have our annual Igniting Hope conference. We have just a great lineup this year. And, and we're also building into our, our time together. Uh, we're going to do a, a community event on the 12th, the Friday night before, and then we're going to spend time together on the 13th. And, and really, we really want to hear and connect with people at the community as we talk about how we can really bring health and wholeness and wellness uh, to all the people within our, in our community. So that's our, our hope, our dream, our aspiration. And we're going to do that together. So this is Pastor George Nicholas signing off for today's podcast, Igniting Hope Podcast. If you want more information about what we're doing, go on to buffalohealthequity.org, buffalohealthequity.org. And then when you go on to our podcast, we have all our podcasts listed up uh, there. And if you could just share and like them, we have a list of really a good, we're developing a good library of information for you. And if you have any ideas or some things about what we can talk about on our podcast, please just send us a message through our buffalohealthequity.org website and we will certainly respond back to you. So thanks again, Brother Jomo, and thank you. We love you, uh, all of our listeners. Uh, we, we love you more than you know. And so we just thank you for taking the time to be with us today. Thank you. Thank you. This has been Igniting Hope Radio Podcast. We thank you for tuning in for your weekly dose of hope. Western New York, national and global listeners now have access to important content they need when they need it, at home, at their desk, or on the go. So please go and check us out. If you're not already following us on Facebook, you can follow us on Facebook at Buffalo Health Equity. That's at Buffalo Health Equity. If you're on Twitter, follow us on Twitter at Igniting H, Igniting H. And if you're on Instagram, please go over there and follow us at Buffalo Center for Health Equity 18. That's Buffalo Center for Health Equity 18. Until next time, stay healthy, stay safe, be well, and don't lose the hope.
This time of year, you double down on cheer. So does Dunkin'. That's why they have twice the signature lattes with minty peppermint mocha and creamy toasted white chocolate, both handcrafted with rich espresso. Grab one today. America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Terms apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You, too, could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner.